Hello and welcome to week 13 of the Punt Return Podcast. I'm Josh Wye. As always, joined by Nick Splitter and James Rosewan. Gents, how are we? Good, mate. It's, uh, it's really interesting. I was just, just saying to you guys off air that for the first time since mid-season last season, the Stats Insider model has a favourite for the Super Bowl that isn't the New England Patriots. So that's uh, that's pretty interesting. And I'm sure James will tell us who uh, who the new favourite is from the Stats Insider uh, model uh, for the Super Bowl. The new favourite is the Baltimore Ravens. Who Nick, on the podcast last week, pounded the table for them to be labelled the best team in the NFL, and he was uh, he was justified by that. Um, they played very much like that. Went out on a limb, that one. Yeah, it did. Well, I mean, it's... Yeah, it was. It was a good call. It, this, well, to say that, this, this is the first week ever that the Pats aren't number one in my ratings this week. There uh, you go. The you Ravens. Go. A lot of it is preseason ratings, so it took a, took 13 weeks for a team to really... Oh, and the Pats still won last week and still, you know, still played fine. Their defense played well, but the Ravens won so convincingly that I had to uh, adjust accordingly, and now uh, the Ravens are the slight number one team, but... Uh, uh, it is Thanksgiving. Many say the NFL season doesn't actually start until Thanksgiving. So if this is if this is the case, um, buckle up because the race to the finish line begins now. And suddenly the AFC is looking a lot more um, interesting than it was say uh, five weeks ago. So uh, for Thanksgiving, I thought we'd say uh, what we're thankful for. And uh, Nick, uh, why don't you kickstart us? Yeah, our incredible quarterbacks. So we've been spoiled over the last kind of ten to twenty years with some of the greatest ever quarterbacks to, to play NFL football. You know, look at the likes of Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees. And then you've got a second-tier level with Big Ben, Matt Ryan, Phil Rivers, Stafford, etc. But I feel like this golden era of quarterbacks is is going to beast mode. We've now got Russell Wilson, MVP candidate, Patrick Mahomes, last year's MVP winner, Deshaun Watson, MVP candidate, Lamar Jackson, MVP favorite, Dak Prescott's playing incredible football. Um, and there are a couple of others that are kind of on the cusp of, of that sort of level. And we're just really lucky that we get to see incredible quarterback play kind of from, from MVP contenders each and every week. And different quarterback play. It's, you know, Manning, Brady, mm. Rogers, Breeze yeah. all played a very similar style. Obviously, Rogers probably, in terms of just arm, arm strength and pure ability, probably, you know, a little bit, a little bit different in kind of the meld between the, the old and the mm-hmm. new. But the way that these new guys are playing it is, uh, yeah, it's pretty fun. That's a it's a good one. I like it. Uh, what do you got for us, James? I'm thankful for a fat bearded man from New Jersey called Greg Roman, and I'm thankful for him for proving that in life, as in sport, or sport as in life, there's multiple ways to succeed. Now, this this is to do with you know this this analytics debate regarding running the ball, passing the ball. Which, as much as I love analytics, I, I truly do. At the bottom of my heart, I write for a company that uses it intently. I've gambled and made a living out of it. This this whole thing that's happening with Lamar Jackson, this whole thing that's happening in Baltimore, is making that debate seem a little bit sort of uh, off off kilter. Because there's no way you can tell me that this is a team that should be throwing the ball significantly more. And I love the way that they've they've accommodated this kind of peculiar quarterback. Who this could very much have not happened. This whole Lamar Jackson thing in what 28, 27 other other franchises. So I, I just think it's this perfect storm in Baltimore that that is quite a kind of comforting experience that you can win multiple ways. There's this, there's not one way to win, and that's I think that's across the board in all sports. Um, and so yeah, I'm thankful for that. Okay. Well, I'll uh, I'll touch on uh, the Ravens in a little bit when we took our biggest takeaways from Week 12. I'm just thankful for Frank Reich um, and good coaching after the week that we've seen from. Jason Garrett and, and the way he botched, you know, that game against the Pats, 
um, for the Cowboys and, and some other bad coaches. I'm just thankful for Frank Reich. Um, I know, you know, the Colts lost last week, but that wasn't his fault, and I'll get to that a little bit later on as well. I'm just thankful for a guy that's uh, willing to take chances on fourth down and, and embrace analytics and, and all that sort of stuff. So I'm thankful for Frank. You know, in a rough year where your quarterback retires a week before the season starts, it's still been an enjoyable year, and I think that's a lot, a lot of that is on Frank Reich. So I'm can thankful you, for, have for Frank Reich. Can we have him back now? No, you yeah, absolutely cannot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely cannot. Um, I mean, yeah, maybe. You, no, actually, no, I don't want Carson Wentz. We'll get to that a little bit. Um, let's talk uh, biggest takeaways from Week 12, and then we'll double back to our results. So, uh, yeah, you, you touched on Greg Roman and the Ravens. I, I think John Harbo is now the coach of the year favorite for me. Just the, the, the whole way that he just trusts Lamar and the way that he goes for, for, goes for it on fourth down, so often, the fourth and nine call to go for it in that game, pedal to the middle, knife to the throat, just let your opponent bleed out. It was body shot after body shot, just methodical stuff, and it all starts up top, and they're so strong in all three facets of the game, and I really like the idea of having a head coach as a special teams background. I just think they understand the game better, and they you get your coordinators into trust offense and defense, and then he can oversee the whole operation and still be in charge of special teams. They have the greatest kicker of all time, and now he's just a PAT specialist because he's like, no, nope, we're going for it on fourth down every time. You have a great punter as well. No, nah, screw punting. Uh, so I like John Harwell. I think he's coach of the year at the moment, and uh, part of that is also to do with Greg Roman, which you touched on before, James. But uh, any uh, takeaways from you, Nick, from Week 12? Yeah, mine is is just the question, is this MVP race still open? You know, all season there's been five or six legitimate chances at any point in time to, to win the NFL MVP. Um, but is it now a, a fate accompli? Is it is it a one-horse race? Is Lamar Jackson the man and is it immoral now? You know, it's a dollar fifty in most books. It's very short. Is he immoral? I, I'm not sure that he is, but I, he must yeah. be getting very close. I still think Russell Wilson – I still think it's a two-horse race. It's, it's Russell I, versus Lamar. I think Lamar is just ahead of Russell – at the moment, but yep. you know, so much can change in another six weeks of football. Exactly. And, and guys, just before mine, I just want to touch again on that John Harbour point. There was a really excellent article in Athletic about two weeks ago by Shilka Padia. Um, if you look it up, Analytical Edge, and it was how John Harbour embraces analytics within the Ravens. And it speaks to this idea of him, like you said, in terms of whether it's Greg Roman or even on defense with Martindale, he, he really, really sort of empowers his assistance. And it's that whole franchise vibe there. Yeah. So. Like, he was on the hot seat a year ago, which was just ridiculous. Like he, like I think he's the second best coach in the, in the entire league. Like, um, I'm out on Sean McVay a little bit. I, I think Harbour is it for me, like behind Belichick. Yeah, and I, I'd go with Harbour as well because it's not, as you said, it's not one side of the football with him. It's it's the whole all encompassing. They've been great on special teams for about a, ten years as well, anyway. So exactly. In addition to with all of that. My my take from last week was just in terms of we're running out of playoff positions. That Buffalo win means they're really only one win away from getting that sort of that nine wins which should be enough, which means there's probably only one wild card spot in the AFC. And in so maybe three or four teams playing for that wild one wild spot and then wild card spot. And then the NFC looks like it's all gonna come down to Philly or Dallas for that other spot considering the Rams look like they're out of the race. So They've sort of closed the door on those being big, wide open races, which they were even a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, I, I think, like uh, you know, Seattle and San Fran and, and Green Bay and Minnesota have locked up those yeah. wild card division winner slots at this point. Um, although you know, the, the season starts now apparently. So we'll, we'll wait and see. 
Uh, week 12 results. We went, we went two locks last week. We went double lock. We, uh, bolted down. Uh, so we had two locks on the week. Two and oh. Baltimore minus three. That easily lobbed as Baltimore just steam in for the win against the Rams. And Cincinnati and Pittsburgh under 39 and a half. Never looked like going over. Both lobbed. We're now nine, three and one on the season, uh, on our locks. Um, which is pretty impressive given that all three of us have to agree on something. Um, so good job by all of us. And, uh, Nick, Talk us through long shots. Uh, yeah, no good, no good for me last week. Alvin Kamara let me down, as did the uh, the rest of the Saints. Um, I think I had them uh, minus eight and a half as well, and that that kind of failed for me. So the Saints let me down in a couple of ways. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I no good for me. Derek Carr and the Raiders laid an absolute egg. I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit later on. Uh, Three hundred passing yards. I don't think he went even remotely close. So that was terrible. But you know, they're long shots for a reason. Um, you know, we'll, we'll never forget Nick's eight and four long shot run or whatever it was to start the first four weeks of the season. It's pretty good. Um, and then James, obviously Seattle still very much in that tight division race with San Fran. So that price is still floating around a little bit. Yeah. I think it's around 275, three now. And if you're still thinking you get about eight for the conference. So still like Seattle. Yep. Uh, best bets last week, uh, two and one since he hung on by the slimmest of margins, got absolutely blessed there. But then I also, Kind of got a bit unlucky with New England. They probably should have kicked the field goal with five seconds left instead of just throwing it out of bounds and giving Dallas one second left uh, to win the game. Um, so, you know, it was okay. And then uh, the total was the Jacksonville-Tennessee total that went over. So I'm 22-12-2 uh, and two on the season. Uh, Nick, you had, you had your first losing week since week two. So that's that's an amazing run for giving three <laughs> plays a week. Um, it's yeah, no. crazy. I had a shocker. I was very confident last week on a couple of plays that, that both failed. As I mentioned the Saints before, and I was also pretty confident on on the Falcons after yeah, I their told you the, trap game of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're kind of their two that. week two week renaissance, and and they failed me too. But um, yeah, yeah, look, it, it's bound to happen sometimes. Uh, and uh, James, oh, and three, your uh, weekly runs over. So are you back to futures, or uh, what's what's <laughs> what's the scenario? It's always been futures. That's been the bedrock of uh, the enterprise. Okay. <laughs> However, it's an example when you get involved with the Detroit's and Oaklands of the world. This is this is what happens. So, yeah. but really happy to be involved in that. Uh, my my debut of the unders plays yeah. in that Cincy Pittsburgh game. So yeah, that was well, good that, too. Yeah, exactly, you did. You were in on that as well. So. Uh, Credit to it. So, yeah, it was a mixed result. I mean, lock of the week going 2-0 and is fantastic. Um, so, you know, it's it's still good results on the pod. Um, and the model did pretty well last week, I think, 2-1 and one and the Tampa Bay money line they tipped up. So if you if you faded the man and went the machine, you, you probably did okay um, overall. But, yeah, the lock of the week's just flying at this point. So let's let's get straight into it. Week 13, Thanksgiving week. So we've got three Friday games. The first one's starting at 4 a.m. Um, normally I'm, like, so keen to get up for Thanksgiving, but this is David Blau. Um, versus Mitch Trubisky. Um, th- this is a, this is a bad game. I feel, I feel sorry for Detroit. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's not a good, not a good scenario there for them. But the Lions, they're five and sixteen against the spread in their last twenty-one Thursday uh, games, most of which have occurred on uh, on Thanksgiving and in the Motor City. So um, they've dropped their past two Thanksgiving gigs straight up. Now they're without Matt Stafford. Look, the Bears didn't look great against the Giants. Uh, plenty of mistakes, but, uh, you know, still some positive plays, but the Lions defense has been absolutely terrible. So at least the Bears have something. They're ranked fourth in points per game, net yards per pass attempt and yards per rush. But now with David Blair in a quarterback and that line moving up to four and a half, the total is 37. I didn't even mention that. Chicago are favorites. I'm going to pass on this game. I'm going to fade it. I'm probably not going to, to watch it at all. 
Uh, and yeah, which is saying something. But these two teams are not going to feature in the postseason. This is a this is a horrible game for a Thanksgiving Thursday night kind of you know early prime time matchup. It's uh, two of the more depressing franchises this season. Like you said, zero reason to get up and watch this gun. It's a complete pass from me. Yeah, Lions are like running into the sort of an old friend you run into once a year and you see that they still haven't kicked their drug problem. And this is kind of what, like what is on Thanksgiving with Detroit. It's that reminder of how far away they are from contention and how long it's been like this. So, um, no play for me on this particular game. It's two teams with really big, um, off-season questions regarding quarterback, GM, who will be coaching these two teams next year. So, and I, I completely agree. It's it's not something I'm, I'm desperate to wake up and, and, and watch. Okay, let's move on to the second Thanksgiving game: Buffalo at Dallas. Dallas six and a half point favorites. The total is forty six and a half. Um, here's the list of quarterbacks that the elite Buffalo defense has faced this year: Brandon Allen, who's horrible; uh, Ryan Fitz, Fitzpatrick, uh, who had three hundred and twenty three yards against them. Baker Mayfield, who threw two t- threw two t- uh, threw two touchdowns. Chubb had a hundred plus on the ground. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, horrible. Wentz, are we sure he's good? They won thirty one thirteen. Fitz again. Mariota, who got benched. Brady, who's turning to dust. Andy Dalton, uh, who was benched. Eli benched, and Donald when he had mono. Um, this is definitely the hardest quarterback they're going to face. Dallas back at home, out of the elements. No rain and wind. Um, yeah, this is the toughest thing that the Bills are going to face all season so far. I expect the Cowboys, and in particular the Clapper, uh, to come out guns blazing after the Furo this week over his obvious limitations as a head coach. And I just don't think Josh Allen's accurate enough or methodical enough to take advantage of Dallas's, you know, obvious shortcomings on defense. So uh, I'm expecting plenty of Ashen, uh, Allen rushing yards, actually. I think he's going to... Um, not see any open reads and, 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 and just take it and run and, and, uh, I lean Dallas six and a half. I'm not over, overly keen. It's not a, it's a, it's not a huge play for me, but, um, I, I lean Dallas minus six and a half. Uh, what about you, Nick? Yeah, I feel like Dallas really need a win here that they've, they've had chances to, you know, really take control of that top spot in the NFC East, um, which they absolutely deserve to be at the top of that. Division because they have been the best team, but they've, they've dropped a couple of winnable games, um, mainly against the Vikings and the Jets, but also to the Pats last week, um, over the last six weeks, which has kind of kept the door slightly ajar for, for the Eagles. Um, and, and Philly have a, a, I guess a more favorable run home. So that, that, that question mark is still there on Dallas. And I think they, they're going to be gunning for a big win. They should be way too strong at home. And Buffalo's vaunted defense. We've talked about it a number of times. It's been good, but like you said, against what opposition? They've actually regressed defensively in the last month. They're back to 10th in DVOA defense after being top five for most of the first half of the year. Um, and I think their record is inflated based on that week schedule that, that you've already mentioned and some luck with opposition form and, and injury and, and whatnot. So I, I actually do think it's a, it's a quite a strong play, Dallas minus six and a half. Yeah, 26 in, in DVOA Rundy as well, which both mm. well for Zeke. Uh, yeah, Definitely. do you, are we, uh, are we, uh, all across the board here, James, or what do you feel? Yeah, no, absolutely agree with you guys. Buffalo has sort of succeeded this year when they've come up, like we spoke about last week, when they've come up against those really bland offenses that don't make Buffalo's offense themselves do much, have to do much. So lots of noise last week about the, the, the Pats falling short against, uh, Dallas falling short to get, falling short against the Pats. And it came down to those micro management issues, which we both, which we all forecast as well. Dallas are a top five team in the NFL, both ATS and straight up coming off a loss 
in the DAC Zeke era. So there's a couple of positive signs that not only will they win this game, but they should be able to cover the line as well. Yep. Okay, let's move on to the third Thanksgiving game. New, New Orleans minus six and a half on the road at Atlanta. Total is 48 and a half. This is a pass for me. Um, I'm a, I'm a bit worried about the Saints offensive line. They, they allowed 12 sacks through their first eight games. Drew Brees has been hit 11 times and sacked six times um, against the Falcons back in week 10. So this this isn't the best time for the New Orleans, to the O-line, to even get more banged up with Terran Armstead out uh, with a high ankle sprain, and they're already missing Andres Pete with a, with a broken arm as well. Marshawn Lattimore, questionable. If he's out as well, uh, Like that's, that's a massive loss. He does so much for that second area. I think he will be back, so that kind of helps shut down Julio Jones. But um, I just don't know how, how you can trust the Saints, this Saints team to cover seven points on the road in a division game against a good quarterback, as bad as the Falcons are overall and last week, and that renaissance may have been just a mirage. Um, I'm not taking the Saints to win by a touchdown on the road in a division game on Thanksgiving on a short week. I'll, I'll pass completely on this. Well, there's, there's you mentioned Lattimore. There's question marks on Julio Jones even suiting up as well, and I think that's yep. they've already said that's going to be a, a kind of a game-time decision. But it is a really interesting matchup, as you said. The Falcons were so disappointing last week after that that mini renaissance. Their their defense, which had been completely up and about for a couple of weeks before that, regressed back to you know the first ten weeks of the season. No sacks on Jameis Winston, facing a below average offensive line. They did force two interceptions, but when you lose by thirteen at home, who cares whether you force interceptions or not? The Saints got the win last week, but they, they failed to do so in the style that I was expecting against the Panthers. Um, and I feel like this is a bit of a revenge game for the Saints, who the Falcons taught them a bit of a lesson last time around in, in New Orleans. And uh, it, like I said, it, it did seem like the beginning of the rebirth of the Falcons in terms of NFL relevance again, but that looks to have been a, a bit of a false dawn. I'm, I'm backing the Saints to get back on track and, and get that revenge this week. Uh, Saints minus 6.5. I think the Saints will win, but uh, yeah, those those couple of injuries on the offensive line concern me. So, which might make the line a little bit questionable. Um, also, worrying signs for the Saints is is, is their D. Given up um, last three consecutive weeks, twenty plus first downs, three hundred plus yards in those three straight games, all against three teams who aren't going to the playoffs themselves, which is a kind of form that's not going to cut it in the postseason quite clearly. Uh, just three multi-turnover games for the defense this season so far. That's seven at this stage last year. So yeah, they're, they're not gonna, it's not going to be great taking Lattimore out of the equation either. Didn't mind the form Kamara was getting in too late after worrying about him and the whole Saints <laughs> structure for three quarters when he looked like he was Kamara was on another planet. So that's going to be huge to give them another weapon outside of Michael Thomas. But. Yeah, this is a curious little phase the Saints are going through at the moment because mm. I think we all said last week that maybe the you know the peak of the NFC and they're starting to have a couple of little um little queries. Yeah, I mean they even got lucky against the Panthers. They missed two extra points and a field goal. So you know you could make the case that the Panthers probably should have won that game. So um, yep. you know they got a little bit lucky there, but that's the NFL. But you know, look, the Saints are a much better team. But yeah, just short week. I, I'm gonna just don't know about that. That does it does reek of a little bit of a trap game uh, scenario there. It's not my trap, and, and not my trap game of the week yet, though. Oh. I think just on Michael Thomas as well. I, I think and and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that he is on track to break the yeah. record for most receptions in a season. He he's the receiver. smoothest wide receiver I've ever seen. He's amazing. He's he so amazing. smooth, like he just he makes everything look so yeah, easy. He glides like he just seems mm. to float. I don't know. I don't know what it is about him. It's just and, and like, magic. Yeah. 
And like all sort of, you know, great artists or great receivers, he does something quite different than what we've been accustomed to with Julio Jones or Antonio Brown or DeAndre Hopkins in recent years. And it's something different as well, which is, which is wonderful to sort of see. Yeah. A radio show, the the Lebertide show, Stu Gotts on there just says that, uh, he imagines Michael Thomas would just be the greatest lover because he's just so smooth. Okay. And I can't, I can't disagree with that. I mean, it makes complete sense. Um, anyway, Green Bay minus six and a half at the Giants. The total is 45 and a half. I got no real feel or thoughts on this game at all, really. Packers are one of the hardest teams in the NFL to really understand for me. Their defense is, it's well overrated. Um, and their offense is like kind of regressed a little bit since Devontae Adams returned. Um, Ian Kenyon, he's like a Packers kind of beat writer. He used to run for Bleach Report. Um, before they turned into just a joke of a place. Um, yeah, he has a potential ewing theory on, um, on Devontae Adams. He thinks that maybe he tries to force feed it to Devontae too much. And when he's out, he just seems to spread the ball around more and, and, and it seems to just flow better, which is something interesting. I want to like look into that when I have a little bit more time. I need a bit more sample size. Um, but that's definitely something to consider. But, yeah, I think Green Bay will win, but I'm not overly confident they'll cover the spread at all. I don't know about the Giants. Daniel Jones, he continues to fumble the ball. He's got to lock that down. Um, I mentioned interceptions are overrated last week. I think we should just start looking at, at turnovers as a whole. I mean, fumbles are just as bad as interceptions, at least with arm punts you're throwing at 50 yards down the field. Um, but DJ's giving it up a lot. So, yeah, that that could probably be the difference there, whether he there's a fumble return touchdown or something. Uh, but I'm going to pass on that. The, the Packers were... Really disappointing last week in San Francisco, but still, as of right now, they're third seed in the NFC and one of a number of NFC teams with a realistic eye on on a Super Bowl berth. And, and these these games, they they just have to win them to be taken seriously, to be legitimate. Um, yeah, the Giants are ranked 29th in overall DVOA, 25th on offense, 27th on defense. They can't really do anything well at the moment. I mean, you look at, at yeah. Saquon Barkley, he is elite, but he doesn't look like it at the mm-hmm. moment. Like, yeah, you're um, right. What, 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 what do they do well? They don't do anything. They don't well. do anything. They don't do anything. Like, at least well. other bad teams have something they can hang their hat on, like the Bears have great defense. But what, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, you look at their last, their last five weeks, um, punctuated by losses to the Bears, the Jets, the Cowboys, the Lions and the Cards. The Cowboys are the only team in that stretch that, that you could say are any good at, at much at all. I mean, the Bears, like you said, the Bears, the Bears are pretty good at defense. Jets are pretty good at defense. The Lions and the Cardinals are not much yep. um, in, in anything. And so, yeah, they're, they're just they're a very mediocre franchise at the moment. The Giants, um, but the Packers are, are ranked tenth overall DVOA, seventh on offense. But there are still concerns on defense. I think, as you mentioned, and if Barkley can get back to to how we we think that he should be and how we know that he can be, the Giants could be a chance. But he just doesn't look he doesn't look fit or he doesn't look interested. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm on the, I'm on the Packers train to bounce back this week. Yeah, that, that Packers D is really, really concerning as well. It shriveled up to the 22nd ranked in, in, in the NFL in recent weeks when they were showing signs of promise early in the year, getting a little bit of pass rush, pass rush going as well. It's a good thing they're running into the Giants because seriously, they don't look like a playoff team at the moment. They look vulnerable all over the place. The, and the offense is out of sync. I don't know if they know what kind of role they want Aaron Jones to be playing. So, yeah, really concerning. However, this is, a, as we said, this is a really good spot for them in a must-win game and a couple of really encouraging ATS uh, trends um, for Rodgers and Green Bay. Over the last 10 years, they've been the definitive best team in the league covering as a road dog as a road favorite rather, 49 and 28. That's a 63% cover rate in this situation. And in that same time span, the Giants are covering as a home dog 
at 36.7%, which is in the bottom five in the league. So you've got one team who, who does it really well and the other team in a horrible situation here, which is a good, sort of a good omen for a Green Bay cover. Okay, let's move on to Philly, minus 9.5 at Miami. Total is 45. Uh, Philadelphia hasn't scored more than 22 points in a game since the 31-6 to uh, smashing of the Jets all the way back in week five. This is uh, Carson Wentz's last 16 drives as an NFL quarterback. Three points, four fumbles, one interception. It's not good. It's not very good at all. Philly's defense, though, has really stepped up the last couple of weeks. Uh, they're top 10 in yards per play and points per play allowed over their last three games. Miami cannot move the ball on the ground, so they're very one-dimensional now on offense. It's just through the air, and they're quite limited in that as well. They don't really have any superstar players, although Devontae Parker is having a low-key good year. Um, but, yeah, under is the play for me. I've got no confidence in Philly covering this spread here, just the way they're playing on offense. But they will get some bodies back, um, Jeffrey and, and Aguilar. But, you know, they can't catch. So, I mean, what does that matter? Um, yeah, so under 45 is the play for me. Um, and that's uh, that's where I'm going. Uh, Nick, what, what's what's your thoughts on the on the Philly? Yeah, well, I've I've been really vocal about my concerns with with the Eagles over the last kind of month or so. This is this is a must win game, just like it is for the Cowboys and the Packers. Um, yeah, every game is win. a must win game. James. Well, yeah, I mean, Nick, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they've got to win big as well. They've got to do it in, in style to start yeah. to get some confidence back in, in Philly. Um, and you know, you speak about Carson Wentz's last 16 drives. Like I said last week, I don't think it's all on him. You look at the the receiving call last week. It was like the uh, the 76ers starting five in 2014-15 when they were mass, you know, the biggest tank job in professional sports ever. Um, it was a horrible receiving call last week. Um, hopefully that improves this week. You just, I just don't know. I, I can't trust them on offense. Can't seemingly trust them on defense either. And the Dolphins are the Dolphins, so who knows? It's a yeah pass for me. The line opened at the very, very start of the week at 5.5, quickly moved to 7.5, now at 9.5. Now, I speak. I think that speaks to how horrified everybody initially was with what they'd seen from Philly to start five-and-a-half-point favorites against this Miami team. Six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, people might have thought this was a 15-point line. Obviously, a must-win and a no-margin-of-error from here on in for Philly. But I think they can get at least – well, look at the money line. Can they cover the line here? I mean, they're going to exploit it against um, Miami's offensive line, which has given up 46 sacks on the season, which is an NFL, NFL high. Philly's only strength at the moment is its pass rush led by Barnett and Graham. They actually sacked um, Russell Wilson six times last week, prevent, you know, held them to just 17 points, only 14 first downs. Those are real good defensive numbers for any team, especially against a really good Seattle offense. So I think Philly should be able to attack and exploit that massive Miami weakness early, and then it should be smooth sailing. But smooth sailing in Philly, they're not words that are going together very well at the moment. So, and, and my, yeah, who, who do you guys have overall, Dallas or Philly, winning that division? Because I, I think it's Dallas quite clearly. It has to be Dallas at the moment, unfortunately. Philly has a better schedule for the they rest do. of the way. So, mm-hmm. um, but they'll have to play each other no matter what, right? Again. Yep. Yeah, it's, I think yeah. it's just going to come down to that. I mean... Well, I think yeah, it's for week, six, week 16 or 17 they play. I have the Cowboys, but I mean, it's the NFL. Who knows? But it also speaks just quickly to this. That's where Philly can't avoid that slip up because once that one game goes, so if it was this week and, and Dallas were to beat Buffalo, then it's a two-game gap. And that's, you know, yeah. yeah. It's and it's still up to win out. Yep. So uh, Yeah, as the schedule's nice, but yeah, you, you, you need to win. They're not... 
I don't know. They're not losing to Miami, surely. I mean, if they are, that's it. It's over. Um, but Carson, amazing. One of the Carson big disappointments. Went back to Dakota. A lot of people that was that was their Super Bowl tip, and this is a five and six team. So you're talking about under uh, you know underperforming teams of the year. This is a top three team. Like really, really horrible year for Philly I so took, far. I took them. I took them like pick three in a wins pool. I'm just terrible. I'm gone. Can't win wins pool now. It's it's all over. Uh, yeah, they got the Dolphins, Giants, Redskins. Cowboys and Giants. So, I mean, mm. they, they, if they win out, there's every chance that they've, you know, got a winning record. I mean, where the Cowboys, they've got the Bears and Rams, but, you know, the Rams aren't the Rams anymore. So, no. who knows? So, ah, we'll wait and see. Another discussion for another day. Uh, Cleveland minus two and a half at Pittsburgh. The total is 39 and a half. This is, uh, this is a revenge spot, baby. Can't dream up a bigger revenge spot than this now after the Thursday night game between these two teams, how it ended. Mason Rudolph benched. Um, the Browns obviously disappointed that they couldn't get their revenge on Mason Rudolph. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, Pittsburgh going to throw a different dynamic at the Browns with the mobile. Devlin Duck Hodges under center, and the Browns' uh, rush defense could, you know, struggle against the Pittsburgh run game that's kind of found its footing last week. They started to get... Uh, Get the ball rolling a little bit on the ground. The Cleveland offense, look, yeah, it's rounding out really nicely, but they played a broken Dolphins defense last week. Um, the Browns' discipline issues will definitely come out again in this emotional game for me. So I just, I just think that this, uh, this line's well off to me. I have Pittsburgh favorite by minus one and a half. So I'm taking them plus two and a half. I think the line might have moved since I did the sheet this morning. So it could even be one and a half. Um, now in terms of Cleveland, but I still I still like the um, the, the Steelers here um, to win the game and, and to cover. So I'll be taking the money line, and I'm taking them plus two and a half. Um, I definitely think Hodges is an upgrade over Rudolph. Rudolph's terrible, and Pittsburgh defense is for real. So I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take the Steelers in a revenge spot. Crazily enough, all of a sudden <laughs> Cleveland win this game and they're right in the playoff mix. If they were to pull this off, they'd only have to win three of their last four games to get to that magical nine number in the AFC. And they still got two more games against Cincy on the docket and a game against um, Arizona as well. Yes, there's a game in there against Baltimore, which they won't win, but the magic number is is very much alive for the Browns. But it'll all come down to this game. And I don't mind that actually in terms of for a decent spot for Cleveland, how many offenses are looking as bad as Pittsburgh's at the moment? They've slipped to 28th in the league for a good reason as well. And they've given up a turnover in every single match they've played this year. Yes, there's not going to be um, Garrett to exploit that which is a huge loss. Like we spoke about last week, that could actually undo, completely undo the season. Another positive sign for Cleveland is the form of Baker Mayfield. This is four straight games now of posting a 90-plus QBR rating. He achieved that once in his first seven games. So he's rounding into some form. I know the Pittsburgh defense is, is, is really, really quite good. So I think, yeah, I think, I think Browns can win this game, potentially cover as well. And you could even think about the 350 to make the playoffs. The only thing is, obviously, the moment you get in, you get excited about Cleveland, they have a very, very special way of letting you down. So, um, I'll leave it there though, but don't mind the, don't mind the Browns. Yeah. I mean, th- we've spoken about it, uh, on length last week. Everybody, every, you know, media publication channel has spoken about what happened a couple of weeks ago. There are massive ramifications, um, from that game a fortnight ago. I'm kind of leaning Pittsburgh to cover the, the two and a half at home, but, um, yeah, I, I'm not sold on it. What I really like, and James touched on it with, with Baker Mayfield and the form that he's been in the last month. Jarvis Landry has been on fire for the last four weeks. 
His worst game in, in that period was against the Steelers two weeks ago, and he had four catches for 43 yards and a, and a touchdown. That's that's not a bad worst game, right? Um, you can get him for six six or more receptions at about a dollar eighty five dollar ninety, uh, which I really like. He's he's become the go to man on offense for Baker Mayfield. He's had uh, he had ten targets for five receptions against the Patriots, thirteen targets for six catches against Denver, ten targets for nine catches against Buffalo, seven targets and uh, four catches, I said earlier, against Pittsburgh last time, and another 13 targets for 10 more catches against the Dolphins last week. And I know that's the Dolphins, but he's a, he's been around that mark against really good defenses like the Patriots, the Broncos, and the Bills over that period too. So I really like that Landry, um, six or more catches at $1.80, $1.90, if you can get it still. Bless him. Bless him. <laughs> don't, uh, don't doubt Duck. Duck Hodges, quack, quack. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man, if Pittsburgh win here, pretty much ends Cleveland's playoff chances, really, because they'll have the, uh, they'll have the split the tie break and they got the better record. They go up a game. Um, so this is a massive revenge this, spot for the Steelers and, after everything that's happened. This is, this is juicy but, hell for the three. Yeah, it's, it's juicy, but just jumping in, it's also like, this is a moment, Cleveland. You've had every, you've had so many moments of utter destitution and repulsion. This is a moment. To, to make a big mark against an arch rival and put yourself in the driver's seat rather than Pittsburgh always stealing the show. Everything's gone wrong for Cleveland this year. All of a sudden, it could start going right with this win here. So, Or continue to stay bad, which is what they've that, always which, been. That, is, that, that might be my favorite way of describing the, the last, what, 10, 20 years of the Cleveland yeah. Browns is this complete destitution and repulsion. Yeah, absolutely. That's pretty much it at this point. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for this game. It means yeah. really absolutely nothing because neither of these teams are winning a playoff game. But um, anyway. Uh, Should be entertaining. Yeah, nothing oh, I'm, I'm here for the spice. And, I'm here for the And spice. for a team who never makes the playoffs, it would be, you know, it would be a huge event for Cleveland just to make it. Yeah. It would be huge. 100%. Um, so be interesting. Uh, I'm keen for this game. It's... Uh, it's one of the strongest players on my model this week, so uh, I'm keen okay. to keen to bet the Steelers. Um, okay. I'm not confident in it, but uh, quack quack, I'm on the duck train. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. um, New, New York Jets minus three and a half at Cincinnati. The total is forty one and a half. Jets three and a half point favorites. This is a crazy stat. The Jets have scored exactly thirty four points in three straight mm. weeks. So, wonder what price I can get for them to score exactly thirty four points uh, this week. I might shop around um, if you want to get the foil hat out and the conspiracy theory going there. Look, there tends to be value backing winless teams this late in the season for me. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm riding the Bengals again after they squeezed out the plus six and a half last week. Going back to the well. Look, the Jets offense has really started to hit its stride. I really like the way Sam Donald's played since him and Gates have had that meeting, but I don't know if they're going to have much success here in the, in the red zone. Bengals actually rank fourth in red zone touchdown percentage, um, which is quite interesting. And the Bengals are desperate to avoid a winless season. Like, I know they want to tank, but, they have an insurmountable lead here, so they need to win a game and keep their fans interested even remotely. And they've turned back to Andy Dalton, who's so much of an upgrade over Ryan Finley. Like this is like Andy Dalton's fine. Um, I think he's a decent quarterback. He can win you games. Um, look, he didn't play well in the first half of the year, but uh, yeah, Cordy Glenn's back as well. Um, I like the Bengals to cover. Plus, um, you saw all the articles: Donald and the Jets going out partying hard after their win last week. Maybe uh, Donald's got some mono again or uh, a bit flat from uh, partying too hard. I'm taking Cincy plus three and a half. Going to sprinkle a little on the money line as well uh, for the Bengals here. As much as I've loved backing the Jets the last three weeks, they've been they've been a real fun team to bet and they've been 
kind of the dog every week that I've been backing. But now, now at a favorite and a road favorite in that, I'm going to I'm going to flip the script and and take the Bengals. Uh, do you agree, Nick, or have we got a head to head? Yeah, I think we've got a head to head this week. I, I just I can't back the Bengals. I I want to because I I really don't want to touch the Jets either being favorites, but. Um, like you, kind of been on the Jets a couple of times in the last few weeks as, as the dog, but they, I think they'd just be too strong on both sides of the ball, uh, based on the, the last kind of three or four weeks of football. I, I don't see what the Bengals have to gain by winning this game. And I think if it's about, you know, that this whole, you know, remaining winless and, and getting a win finally, then there are other winnable games that they've got. They've got home and, home and road matchups against the Browns still coming and the Dolphins again. So, yeah, I don't know. Even, even as you said, if, if the Jets offense is a bit flat, their defense, which is ranked fifth on the year, um, on the back of it, what is a really incredible run defense? They should be too strong for, for the Bengals. Joe Mixon hasn't had a great year, but when Dalton was out, he averaged double the amount of carries with Finley, um, than he did when, when Dalton was in the first half of the year. So it's just, just an interesting kind of side, side note to, to this matchup. Um, Interestingly, I can't see Tyler Boyd in any receiving prop markets yet, but as he has been all year, he'll be the number one option for, for Dalton, and I think Dalton will suit him more than, than Finley. Um, and he should be a really good option in, in DFS and, and props. So just keep an eye out for that because he's he's not available anywhere yet, so keep an eye out. But, yeah, I think Jet's too strong, and, and the three and a half is, is juicy. I've got Jet's unders tickets, season win totals, under five and a half, under six and a half, under seven. Stop winning, Jets. That's all I want to say. No play for me, but so just with, stop winning. So you're with me. Let's go, Bengals. You're with me. <laughs> yeah. well, yeah. Welcome. Hey, welcome to the dark side of backing a winless <laughs> underdog. Two weeks just in a no row. Just no more Jets win. I, th- I thought this would be a lot yeah. easier than this. I thought I would have already cashed by now, just about. <laughs> I'm in a uh, Lions tipping comp, and last week I went in with the Jets and Cincinnati. It's just like, and some other, just bad teams, but they, they seem to cover. It's been a, been a wild ride the last month. It's, it's fun. I don't Cover know. and winning as well now. What did they want? Like three of their last four or something like that? Like yeah, enough? Yeah, I know. yeah. They've been great. They've been good. Um, all right. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's move on from a, uh, you know, a, a, I guess a bleak affair, but you know, when you've got money on us, there's nothing such, there's no such thing as a bleak <laughs> affair. Um, but, uh, this is easily, easily, we're all in agreement here. The match of the week. San Fran at Baltimore. Baltimore minus five and a half. The total is 46 and a half. Um, I'm, I'm going against you guys, I think, from uh, from what I can see here. But um, I'm just going to talk a little bit of DVOA about the Ravens. So by DVOA, the Baltimore Ravens had the uh, best game of the year last week at 122.5%. And the San Francisco 49ers had the second best game of the year at a plus 111%, 0.6%. So they're both coming off their best games of the season, and one being the best game of any team in the season, and the other being the second best game of any team this season. In their past five games, the Ravens have an average DVOA of 75.4%. Uh, here's how good that is. Only seven other teams this season have had a single game as good as what Baltimore has done over that five-game span. Baltimore now moves past Dallas into the top spot in offensive DVOA this week, and the Ravens also move up from 10th to 4th in defensive DVOA. Combine that with their rank in special teams, which is second. The Ravens are now in the top four in all three phases of the game. That's why they're now the new number one team in my ratings and many power rankings as well. Um, but the 49ers, you can't be, you can't uh, ignore them. They're pretty difficult to ignore. Aaron Rodgers was held to 104 passing yards last week in that loss. Jimmy G's hitting up as well, 11-3 to three in the touchdown to 
interception ratio uh, after a, a pretty yeah, below average, mediocre start to the season. Um, he's averaged 310 passing yards per game over their last four games. So, you know, we've seen everything but the quarterback early on, and now they're bringing the quarterback into the mix. He's starting to find his feet, starting to get comfortable, and he's done it with some banged-up players as well over that stretch. George Kittle return and had a big game. You'll get Emmanuel Sanders a little bit more healthy and things, and Debo Samuel's coming along very, very well. Um, for me, as good as the Ravens are, and I, and I said last week that I'm going to keep picking the Ravens until they don't cover, five and a half is massive between two of the best three teams in the league. Um, obviously, I think anyone I think has Ravens, Pats, and 49ers as the best three teams in the league in, in whatever order. So I guess you're splitting hairs. Um, yeah, I, I don't have this close to five and a half. I have this, uh, where are we? I have this Ravens minus three and a half. So I just think this is too big of a gap here for me. So I'm going to take San Fran. Plus five and a half on the road. Um, I think you guys are against me. Is that correct, Nick? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you on a lot of that. Um, just not the result, really, or, <laughs> or the bet. Um, but, you know, I said last week that, that Baltimore are the best team in football at the moment. And I think something like it's not even close. I yeah. think that's that's bared out. They've delivered in spades. You know, they routed the Rams by a billion points in, in Los Angeles. Um, yeah. The Rams' offense was rendered completely useless. Lamar... Another five passing touchdowns for that's not bad for a running back, um, and, and you know, still still <laughs> yeah. nearly a hundred yards on the ground as well. He just yeah. he does everything. This Ravens beast is nigh on unstoppable at the moment, and I think you just got to ride the hot hand. With the exception of the Pats, though, in Week Eight, this Forty ers defense will be by far the best they've faced in in this season, and and by quite a margin. Um, and their offense hasn't been bad either in in the last couple of weeks. They've put up twenty plus points in five straight weeks. And, and I think we spoke a, a fair bit during the first half of the season about how they really need to prove themselves on offense. And Jimmy G had to prove himself um, throwing the ball. And they're doing that. They're doing everything that, that we've kind of asked of them um, so far. But the Ravens, as you said, they're now the number one ranked team on offense. They're now the number fourth, the number four ranked team on defense, according to DVOA. And they're number two on special teams. This Baltimore unit is indeed special. Um, yeah, like I said, keep riding the hot hand. Take Baltimore, minus five and a half. I do think, as you said, that line might come out, so take it now. Mm. While it's, uh, yeah, I think it's going to get, if it gets to six, I'm just, I, I, think it, I think it will get to six, and, <laughs> yeah. and I think it, it may even get to six and a half. Yeah. Um, take it, take it now while you can, if, if you like it. Yep. You guys have set this massive game up absolutely brilliantly with, That's with everything you said. Super Bowl preview, potentially. Potentially, but this is where I was about to say one small disagreement. I think Josh has said that New England, San Francisco, and Baltimore splitting heads between who is the best out of these three. Yep. A certain team from the Pacific Northwest did go into San Francisco two weeks ago, gave them a 10-point start, and still reeled them in. That's the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. Don't forget about them. Please, and overrated. But they, they beat them in, in San Francisco a couple of weeks ago ah, from fine. 10 points. by a huge, huge win. Um, I, I think, yeah, but yeah. All the statistical measures are saying that these two teams are phenomenal. Top 10 defense, top 10 offense, you name it, they're fantastic. The one vulnerability I think that Baltimore might be able to exploit in this game is their quietly underrated defense, who, with Martin Dale, is is just blitzing out of this world. That's assisted by having leads and taking advantage of sort of demoralized offenses who are trying to catch up. But they're blitzing on 51% of their players, which is, which is, significantly more than the next best in the comp, which is Arizona at 44. Garoppolo has suffered 15 sacks over his last five games. Baltimore can get him. 
they, they can get to him and they can put him under pressure. I know I'm sort of really late to the party with Garoppolo. I'm still not thoroughly convinced, even though the underlying numbers in, I spoke before about, uh, Baker Mayfield having four 90 plus games of QPR. He's four of his last 111, 136, 115, 146. That's Garoppolo in four of his last five games from a QBR perspective. So yeah, the numbers and the production are there, but I just want to see it still in a huge game. Green Bay, we know that defense is, is, is very average and was sliced up and they were playing from behind as well. So he had it on a plate. Lean is Ravens. I, I think they're the better team. I really do. And I think they can cover that five and a half as well. Yeah. So I, I think they're the better team, but it's just too many points. It's just too many points okay, between yeah. these two teams for me. Um, yeah. It's worth noting as well, Matt Skura, the uh, starting center for the, the Ravens on IR. Mm. Um, so they're, they're going to an undrafted rookie, um, potentially playing uh, center against the best defensive that's, line in the entire that's league. What so the, Ravens do best. That's what the Ravens do that best in finding these guys and, and making them. You know, oh, it's, but, he was second but, in Pro Bowl voting. Like, Skura is having such a good season. Um, so that, that's, a, that's a big loss. It's, it's just for, for an undrafted rookie's first game, to, first yeah. start to be up against mm. Nick Bosa and, and Eric Armstead and, and DeForest Buckner. Like that, and that's forward a, as well. Yeah, it's a massive ask. And that's what I was going to say. As even I am, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the last to really truly accept San Francisco's bona fides. That defensive line is the best in the league. Yeah. That is a menacing, destructive, yeah. fast defensive line. That is that is yeah looks as yeah looks off the charts. Lamar, baby, please be safe, baby bear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please that's, protect that's, your legs. And, out of bounds, baby. <laughs> and it's true because Lamar is like you know we're NFL junkies here, and it's, it's touching on what Nick said in terms of he's what he's thankful for. Yeah. These quarterbacks have electrified the NFL this season, yeah. and it was an it was an excellent point to be thankful for. We were going through that little period of who who's going to take over those 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 greats, the Breeze, the Brady's, the Rogers. Yeah, we're we're, we're ridiculously Get lucky at the moment. Here. Breeze and Brady and Rogers. Get out of here. <laughs> exactly. Get give me here. give me Russell yeah, Watson, Lamar. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. Get out of here. And Kyla, no, and Kyla Murray as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great. <laughs> was, yeah. Was there a brissette in there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's, uh, you know, I'm thankful for... What were you uh, saying about Mason Rudolph? Oh, uh, yeah. Please. Um, yeah, just... This could, we're not this, thankful for this him. Could be, uh, this could be a massive... You know, if Lamar lights this San Fran up and, and just destroys him like he did against the Rams, like, that's a massive thing. Like, this is totally mm. two different competitions. But if if he still plays so good against them, I think he locks up MVP. But this could be a game where he loses MVP, where they... Really pound him and make him suffer or throw picks and and just this could be kind of like a, a depancing if the San Fran, you know that that D line can be dominant and really embarrass any quarterback really. So um, this kind of has a massive hinge on on, on Lamar Jackson's MVP. Um, it shouldn't. One game should not define an MVP season, but the way that the, this thing goes, it's kind of like oh Lamar won this week, Russell won last week. Like you watch the ebbs and flows of the prices on a week to week basis, but I just want him to come out alive. Um, I got him at sixty-seven dollars for MVP. So, like, oh, come nice. on, baby, please, very nice. Please protect your legs. Come on. Is this five o'clock or eight o'clock start, guys? Uh, in this terms is of early. our time, they should okay. have fle- they should have flexed this into this is ridiculous. Yeah. Mm, um, yeah. I mean, the primetime games aren't bad, but like, come on, um, like flex this out at least. And and last week we had like nine early games and two late games. It was ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. Uh, the scheduling's been terrible oh, this it's, season. It's horrendous, horrendous. All right, let's move on from a. Uh, Game of the week to probably the second best game of the week. Washington at Carolina. 
Um, Carolina <laughs> minus nine and a half. I can't even say that with a straight face. Uh, the total is 40 and a half. I, I laugh, but I have a play in this game. Um, 40 and a half. I, I like Carolina minus nine and a half this week. Um, I know they probably shouldn't be favored by that much against anyone, but here's, here's Washington in their quote unquote win last week. They had 13 first downs. The Lions had 21. Wow. They had four yards per play. The Lions had 5.1 yards per play. They lost time of possession. They committed more penalties. Didn't score a single offensive touchdown. Haskins threw for 5.4 yards per attempt on 156 yards and had an interception. They won that game because of a kickoff return touchdown and Dr- Driscoll um, wet the bed on numerous occasions. They're bad. Um, as bad as Kyle Allen was against the Falcons, he's not doing that against this Redskins team. The Redskins rank 28th in rushing defense. It's not bode well for them facing Christian McCaffrey, who has close to se- has over 1,700 total yards. And yes, Christian McCaffrey has scored more touchdowns this season than the entire Washington team. <laughs> Taking Carolina minus nine and a half. Uh, I'm going to look around for some margins as well, and, and maybe uh, uh, this is a big win. Big win for me. Uh, yeah, I have it like minus 12. So um, I think <sighs> I think I have Washington. Um, I think I have the Bengals rated higher than Washington. Yeah, with with Andy Dalton back in the lineup, so Washington are closer to the Dolphins than anyone else in the league for me. That that's super depressing if you're a uh, Redskins fan. Um, what, what do they do well? They're like the Giants. That, what yeah. like, what do they honestly do well? They they play fast games. That's what they're efficient at. They just run the clock out of the season. Let's they're on to next season at this point. So so how do you explain the fact that the Carolina Panthers are only ranked three spots higher on overall DVOA efficiency? Than the Redskins, uh, like they, they clearly on paper they look like a better mm, team, yeah. But the stats don't they don't bear that out, and they they were half decent last week, and like you said earlier, they they had chances to win. Yeah, they've been um, half decent yeah. for a lot of the season. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's the they're... that's the one team that my rankings don't quite match up with DVOA. Uh, that's the biggest discrepancy for me. Well, like, I think I got so the that, Panthers like thirteenth, and everywhere else they're like ranked in the twenties. So I don't. Well, I, don't I think understand. So for me, the big thing is that, that the Panthers up until last week had failed in any big moment situation, um, and, and I kind of mentioned that last week, and they they failed in failing. Yeah. Like I kind of exactly. expected them to. There's no um, bigger moment than being a home favorite to Washington. The... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I still don't. I still don't rate them, uh, even though I, they they did put up good effort against the Saints, and like you said, could could have won. I just think that this line is is slightly too big. I'm kind of leaning Washington, but yeah, I just I just don't know. I'm I'll probably pass this one to be honest. James, yeah, you know, play from me. Just that Washington is quite easily and by significant margin the worst offense in the National Football League, but that is a big number. Yeah, for Carolina Haskins has been awful. I mean, still think you got to give him a chance, but. I uh, just I don't know. He, he, he didn't. He, he didn't get to that final snap of the football either, unfortunately, to celebrate <laughs> that yeah, famous. I mean, how do we even not mention that? That was. See, uh, I told you guys preseason the start of Washington's uh, Haskins fever. That's it. That's that fever I'm talking about. Already yeah. taking wow. taking hold of the fans. I enjoyed what, all the hot with, takes this week on that. What's with uh, Washington quarterbacks celebrating in like weird fashions? They've yeah. got the, the Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Um, you know the outburst in the tunnel a couple of years ago. You, but, Haskins but, taking selfies. Nick, yeah. you know what? My, my my theory there is this is the product of a horrible franchise. They, this yeah. is what happens when there's no class, there's no structure. Cousins, that came from a, from a place of you want to give me another franchise tag. You want to treat me like absolute rubbish. Yeah. This is this whole franchise to a T who need the biggest. Unfortunately, it starts with the owner, right? So that's it's that that's where we're all absolutely hamstrung to get genuine change happening there. But they're just about the worst. At least he didn't kneel in the red zone to end a half um, like Kirk Cousins did. 
about four years ago. So, I mean, that's the second um, most egregious thing that uh, that a Washington quarterback's done at this point. Um, I didn't mind the selfie. I thought it was pretty funny. I mean, I would have liked Just it more if, if he had. It. I would have liked it more if he uh, played decent. I mean, it's like you're celebrating 156 yards um, at five yards per attempt in an interception. Like, come on, I mean, although that's better than. Tom Brady's last two weeks, so who knows at this point. Um, all right. Dab- Dabo Sweeney coaching them next year? What do you think? Oh, boy. Poor Dabo. No, he's, he has standards. Um, no. <laughs> blow it up, man. Blow it up. Yeah, that's what I mean. You've got to blow it up. You've got to do something. No, like, no. You've gen- yeah, something has to change there. Yeah. Move him to the XS- XFL at this point. Um, they'd be suited for that. All right. Oakland at Kansas City. Kansas City minus nine and a half. So another nine and a half fave. Total is 51 and a half. Oakland had the single worst game of the season by DVOA last week, even worse than anything Glory. Miami have ever produced. So their week 12, 34 to 3 loss to, uh, to the Jets was minus, two, uh, minus 200, minus 123.8%. Um, it was a putrid showing by them, so much so that a lot of analysts on Twitter have actually begun re-apologizing or taking back apologies that they previously made a couple of weeks ago, saying that they were wrong about the Raiders initially. So, um, that's where I'm going to segue to you guys. Uh, are you yeah. both taking apologies? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm, I'm going to apologize to you guys because I made you apologize um, <laughs> because I was like, you know, the Raiders' offense is fine, and I still yeah. think that overall it's like they're throwing to like Ren- like Hunter Renfro's their like wide receiver one. It's not the best recipe for success, but to to be that bad against the Jets mm. is 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 beyond excusable, really. It- it seems like a really long fortnight ago that I was down on my knees. I'm sorry, Oakland. I was, I was wrong. I was wrong about you. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm headed back to the Raiders of trash. Well, um, yeah. you know, the, the Chiefs at Arrowhead are tough enough for, for any team, let alone a team ranked 30th in pass defense, uh, like the Raiders are against this, this, you know, Chiefs passing offense. Patrick Mahomes has had one really good game and one kind of average game since he, he came back from that injury. I reckon he's he's just trending to to be cherry ripe, um, leading into the into the playoffs now. And, and for this matchup, he should be raring to go. It is a, it's a really big line at, at nine and a half, which always makes me a bit hesitant, as, as I said in the, the last game. But I think the Chiefs should win this fairly easily with, with that offense against that defense. Uh, yeah, I'm on the I'm on the Chiefs train again. Yeah, Raiders, my God, the playoff hopes. If you lose, they, they only lost to Cincinnati the week before all this yeah. Jets mm. disgraceful performance, giving up 34 points with the playoffs absolutely were in reach. I think the Chiefs are going to torch them here. You, Gruden against a kind of offense that makes him think outside the square or his whole structure blows his mind. He will get mm. this. This is going to be a big, big, big blowout. But my, my anger with, with, with Gruden and Oakland is, having tickets on them at under six and under six and a half. And then when they started decently jumping in a little bit to the Oakland playoff price to kind of hedge that. So the worst possible thing for me was them winning seven or eight games this season. That's exactly what those guys are going to fall on. And I'm just so angry with that because, yeah, (laughs) really, really angry. I feel like actually my face is turning into John Gruden as I say this. Um, (laughs) Funny that, though, if they win this game, they're, they're winning the division. So... Um, that's something to watch. This is this is the first is, place for in the in the division, which sounds so it ridiculously sounds weird. Wrong. Yeah. it's just wrong. Yeah, but sorry. this could be yeah. this could be a handful of touchdowns to Mahomes, yeah. and I think this will be an, this will be a double digit cover quite easily. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I'm leaning Chiefs minus nine and a half, but I can't take two nine and a half point favorites, and I, my numbers prefer Carolina. 
But you know, Oakland can't be that bad again, surely. Like they, they just cannot be that bad. Um, I think they the bye can. week came at a great time for the Chiefs <laughs> to get players back and get healthy. Um, I think it just great. It's just good timing for them. Um, and Andy Reid off a bye week I was about as well. To say, he's been nearly yeah. unbeatable off a bye in his career, seventeen and three straight up. Um, he's just throwing three against the spread though in his Chiefs career off a bye. He's not uh, a gambler. So that's uh, yeah. So look, the number is very tempting, but I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it. Um, division game close to ten points, but yeah, I, like this wouldn't surprise me if Chiefs hang, you know, win by thirty odd points or something like that. Mm. Because yeah, you're right. I think the I think the Chiefs are actually still underrated. I think their defense has actually played a lot better than expected. It has. Um, and they just and run defense as yeah, well. They just had a lot of, yeah, yeah they've had a lot of injuries and things on on uh, on offense and just haven't quite got into rhythm. And Mahomes are still putting up great numbers. It's just. This after the buy now, I think they're going to run the table. I think they're going to. I don't think they lose the rest of the way. Or well, they do play the Pats, but um, I think uh, I think they're just primed for a good run, and I think they're definitely still a sleeping giant. Yeah, in, I agree with in that. In the AFC playoffs, um, I don't want to be facing them. That's for sure. Um, yep. All right, let's move on to Tennessee at Indianapolis. Uh, Indy minus two and a half. Totals forty three and a half. Tennessee always just in the mix. They're always like one or two games out of the playoffs. The Titans, so they're always just hanging around that you can't like fork them. Um, but uh, they're also never going to ever make the playoffs or win more than 10 games. Um, so it's kind of a weird... It's, it feels like every Tennessee season is that. Like, yep. Um, Three straight just, seasons of 9-7. Just, yeah, I should just bet on them to go 9-7 every year. Um, <laughs> for me, this is a pass. The line's spot on for me. Until I see Jacoby Brissett take some actual deep shots down the field and, and hit on them and, and, and stop holding on to the ball too long, um, I'm going to avoid the Colts. It's not mean I'm going to fade them either. Like the Colts absolutely outplayed the Texans pretty much in every facet last week, except quarterback play, and they still covered the spread. So even despite you know all of that, they still covered. Um, and you know last week was the first time I was probably genuinely impressed with Ryan Tannehill. I thought his form was a little bit overblown because everyone was like, "Oh, it's not Mariota. Oh, it's Tannehill." Like, and people were getting way too overexcited. But I think last week was easily his best game of the season. I think the Colts are a better team, top to bottom, much better head coached as well. And they're at home, but I need to see. I need to see it from Jacoby. He was the obvious weak link last week. He was hashtag bad, um, and it was more like I, I want to move on. I was even considering Swag Kelly, but I'll go back to Jacoby. I, Jacoby's a great dude. He's just an average quarterback, and that's fine. It, it's fine. I just I don't like cheering against him, but I want to see. I want him to give me reasons to cheer for him as well. I was just going to jump in, Josh, just quickly. If we do lose Jacoby Brissett, you know that's going to mean we lose all those Bill Parcells stories where every single week we get reminded of the relationship he has with Bill Parcells. Oh, Sass. yeah, true. It's the, um, it's the Brock, you know, Brock Osweiler's six foot eight. It's the, I, di- I didn't know yeah, that. You know, yeah. Scott Pendlebury used to play basketball. Yeah, true. Yeah. And, uh, Antonio Gates used to play basketball. Yeah, he did too. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm going to pass. Um, has anyone got to play on this, Nick? Yeah, look, the, the Titans are in a bit of a role here. It's a pass for me in the major markets, but I do have a play that I'll, I'll touch on. Um, and, and just you talk about Ryan Tannehill. He's, he's quietly, been very good for the last couple of weeks. I know when he first came in, he was he was mediocre, average at best. But the last couple of weeks, he's been quite good. Uh, last couple of weeks combined for 440 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, another 80 or so yards running. Um, so he's trusting his legs more. And that, that's what he was kind of – he was known as the athlete coming out of college in the NFL. Um, he's trusting his legs, trusting his body, and, he, and he's playing really well. The Colts have been pretty good against the pass all season, but – they have conceded an average of nearly 300 yards through the air and two touchdowns each week over the last fortnight. It's a really interesting matchup. As it's kind of you, you've touched on the Colts uh, just just before, but my play this week for, for the uh, 
for the Titans. Derrick Henry is the hottest running back in the NFL over the last couple of weeks. He's 347 yards on the ground, four touchdowns. He also ended last season oh, on fire. Did. And it seems to be a bit of a trend. I don't know if it's his running style that he's just, the way that he runs is so powerful. He's able to take advantage of, of, you know, run blockers that, that are getting tired at, at the end of a long season. He, he's been really good. And for what it's worth, the Colts have the 19th ranked run defense, uh, according to, to Football Outsiders DVOA. And you can get $2.10 for Derrick Henry, 100 plus running, rushing yards, which I think is very nice given what he's done in the last couple of weeks. And guys, I'm going to flash my AFC South immunity badge here, uh, especially when teams, AFC, AFC South teams play against each other. It's a no-go for me. Can't okay. make heads or tails of them. Okay. Uh, the winner will probably likely be in first place of the division yeah. because the Texans will lose to the Pats, which we'll touch on in yeah. a little bit. All right, let's move on. Uh, Tampa Bay at Jacksonville. Jacksonville minus one and a half. The total's 48 and a half. I like the over 48 and a half here. The over's cashed in nine straight Bucks games. I'm going to go along for the ride here while it's less than 50. Look, Winston's, Winston's, you know, he's, he's actually really good at, um, hitting on big plays for both teams, whether it's long touchdowns or pick six. So he's really great <laughs> for overs. Like he's, he's the perfect overs quarterback in the NFL, really. Um, so, you know, the Bucks, excellent run D forces team to throw, which isn't, a, which is bad for the Tampa Bay because their pass defense is terrible. Um, so. It's, uh, although it's actually improved after dumping their first round, uh, corner from a couple of years ago in Vernon Hargraves. But yeah, I think Foles should have success at some point. It just seems, he seems too good to be this bad. Um, so I think, uh, after back to back divisional games, back at home against a bad pass defense, I like DJ Shark to have 100 plus yards. Um, I'm not sure if there's a price on that yet. He's going to be a DFS play for me this week. Um, but yeah, I like the over 48. Any, uh, any thoughts, Nick? Yeah, I'm gonna keep this brief because I think we're we're running uh, a bit long. But yeah. I agree with you. I don't have a whole lot more to add on that. So I, I also like the over forty eight and a half. James, yuck. Let's pass. Okay. Uh, yeah, Jags have been leaking points left, right, and center as well, which is handy. Uh, the Rams minus three on the road at Arizona. The total is forty seven and a half. This reeks of a trap game. Uh, but how the hell are the Cardinals fresh off the bye getting three points at home against an anemic Rams outfit? It's crazy to me. I think the biggest winners of San Fran's complete annihilation of the Packers last week were the Cardinals. In two games against the 49ers, they've moved the ball well, put up points, been competitive, should have covered the spread in both of those games. There was a garbage end-of-game lateral fumble return touchdown that, that meant that they didn't cover. But they've been great. So, the, look, the Rams' offense is broken, but they could rebuild against this bad Cardinals' defense. But... The Cardinals are 5-1-1 one, and one against the spread in their last seven games. I mean, just mentioned, this probably should have been 6-1. The Rams have had issues stopping um, offenses spearheaded by a mobile quarterback, and I think they'll struggle against Kyler Murray as well on a short week, backing up. Um, Arizona's had two weeks to prepare. Um, yeah, I, I like Arizona plus three. I think they win this outright. I'm fading the Rams hard down the stretch here. I, I really like the overs again in this one. I think both teams average just over 23 points per game, and they're going to come up against... You know, pretty poor defenses. The Rams are, are ranked 20th in pass defense. The Cards are 30th overall defense. I think this could be a really high scoring game. And, and like you said, the Rams aren't able to stop mobile quarterbacks. So, so Kyler Murray could have a bit of a day out. Um, obviously Kyler Murray is not Lamar Jackson and, and not, he's not going to do at the same level what, what Lamar did last week against the Rams. But, you know, it, it's a much weaker defense than, than the Ravens to, to back him up. So, I think the Rams are going to have opportunities to score coming back the other way, likes of Goff, Cup, Gurley, Woods, etc. 
are going to have opportunities. Whether they can take them or not, that's that's another question. But uh, I, I like the over here, over forty-seven and a half. Uh, for me, I, I like the Arizona to cover. I like the Cardinals to cover as well. Um, really aggressive defense, blitz rate of forty-four percent. And I reckon the three of us would give Jared Goff jitters at the moment if they saw us on the pass rush. Uh, Chandler Jones for Arizona having a quietly annihilating season. 15 quarterback hits, 12 and a half sacks on the season. Rarely does a, a former Patriot excel elsewhere. He absolutely is. This is Arizona for me for the reasons that you guys have said. And I wouldn't want to be touching any of the, the, Rams, the Rams at the moment. They look a mess. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's pretty. He would have jitters just because he'd be shocked that three um, white, unathletic guys are on lining up on defense. He'd just be shocked by that. Um, poor Jalen Ramsey traded from the Jags, putting up with one Bortles his entire career. Now he's playing with um, on a team with two Blake Bortles. Um, poor poor Jalen. Um, all right, Chargers minus two and a half at Denver. Total is thirty-eight and a half. The Chargers entered this week with a fourteenth-ranked offense, fifth-best defense in the NFL based on total yards. But they're four and seven. The reason for that is turnovers. They're minus nine in turno- turnover differentials so far this season. The fifth worst in the NFL. Derwin James back this season um, after missing his first eleven games. So that's going to be massive. But how fit is he going to be? Um, I my numbers like Denver plus three, but I am I am worried about the Derwin James impact because he just does so much for for the secondary because he's just so versatile and so he's just always around the ball. But again, we just don't know how fit he's going to be. So there's a Looming question mark. I'd probably take Denver if it hits plus three. Um, I think Drew Locke might be starting as well for the Broncos. So uh, the Brandon Allen experiment is is correctly over. But uh, that's all I've got on this one. Um, yeah, I think the, the line is pretty spot on in this one. I I kind of I like to favor the Broncos at home just because they they know it so well and it's it's difficult for for teams to go to to go to um, to Denver and, and play in that altitude. The Chargers offense also, you look at the talent on, on that offensive unit, just hasn't been as impressive as, as the actual football talent suggested it should be. So I'm, I'm kind of leaning Denver, um, at home. It's probably a pass. Like you said, if, it, if the, that line comes out to three, then Denver plus three is, is probably the play. Two to two and a half is, it's probably a pass for me. This is the sixth game on the slate this week that is pitting two teams who are out of playoff contention. So this is nothing like last week's fiesta of football guys, um, unfortunately. <laughs> this kind of reminds me of this the Chicago-Detroit game as well in terms of two teams, really uncertain franchise futures regarding all sorts of elements of the team and the construction. So it's a pass to me on that alone. I could see there being about 12 turnovers as well in this game. So <laughs> pass. All right, let's go to Sunday Night Football. New England minus three, minus three and a half. It's... it's- Flat, flat three some places, three and a half other places, but I think more, more likely hitting the three and a half mark. At Houston, the total is 44 and a half. Uh, for me, it's New England minus three and minus three and a half, but obviously more confident in the flat three. But Bill Belichick's own Bill O'Brien, and I doubt much is going to change in this matchup. Look, the offense has been struggling a little bit for the Pats, but this is a much, much easier defensive matchup here. Houston's defense is 26 in DVOA. 31st on third downs and 32nd in the red zone, which just screams the right spot for Brady to get back on track and, and get and get the company and, and everyone loaded up and, and on and in sync and, and on the same page. Uh, on the other side, I don't expect an offense that ranks 15th in DVOA. Um, that's played a pretty easy schedule and, you know, struggled a little bit. They only scored 20-odd points against the Colts last week. How are they going to go against this Pats top-rated defense? 
Belichick uh, continues to build on a great record indoors and under an ah uh, this is a good one a, a retractable roof against the spread market here seventeen and six against the spread since two thousand and one. Um, when playing under a retractable roof, so Belichick can find an edge everywhere, mate. Um, he's gonna roll. He's gonna roll in Houston. Um, Stefan Gilmore killing it uh, as well. Um, that bit would have sounded so better if I could just pronounce retractable properly. But no, nah, really, it was still good though. I really it's, started. I really. It's I, I so Belichick as well. Yeah, I got excited, but uh, yeah, I just couldn't pronounce it. But yeah, New England minus three. Yeah. It's really cute how many people are picking the Texas this week. This is real cute. Uh, but it's not gonna happen. Please. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned Belichick you know, owning Bill O'Brien. I'm not sure that there's anything that Bill O'Brien is better than Bill Belichick at in the world. I, I just don't think there is anything that Bill O'Brien does better than being Bill submissive. <laughs> <laughs> what was Stugut say, what was Stugut saying about being a good lover? We we don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm leading the unders in this one. I think the Pats, as good as they are defensively. Are nowhere near that level offensively this season. On the flip side, the Texans defense is nowhere near as effective as their, their offensive unit. And so my, my kind of gut feel is that the, the Pats number one ranked defense or number two ranked defense now, uh, is going to be able to stifle Houston's 15th ranked offense. But the, the New England offense also won't be able to take complete advantage of the gaping holes in the Houston defense. And, and usually it's not an issue because they don't have to because their defense is so good. Yep. But I can I can kind of see this being a, a really low scoring, um, you know, whatever. So yeah, under forty four and a half for me. Absolutely, the Pats for me, and it's in main part in terms of the Texans. D is really now trying is finding out what life post Clowney and post JJ Watt is is like. It's failed to produce a turnover in three of its last four matches, and has given up twenty four points, at least twenty four points in five of its last seven. Um, Pat's running game starting to click into gear as well. And no, no, they're not lighting up the scoreboard, but they're not turning it over. And this comes back to what Josh was saying last week in terms of the Dallas preview, that death by a thousand, thousands cups mantra with Patriots. They know how to beat you. I know the numbers aren't glowing, but they, they know what they're doing. And that retractable roof thing, I could just see Belichick sort of asking a staffer for exact dimensions and timing of when that roof retracts and at what time they're going to close the roof. I'm sure he'd have numbers and strategy behind it. Yeah. Um, plus the incentive. Pats are still playing for that number one seed. I know they're there, but they're one banana little peel away from losing it, and they're potentially having an AFC conference in Baltimore, which is they, which play, the, they play the Chiefs next week. So you need to rack this win up yeah. here. I was going to say, remember what happened last time New England were in Baltimore as well. Yeah. Uh, gave up about forty points. So yeah, exactly. Pats for me get this job done, and exactly this O'Brien versus Belichick, another coaching massive mismatch. There was. Gaping holes in Houston's D and Brissett just didn't bite the bullet and throw the ball. And that's, that's where the Colts left so many points on the board. So, um, I can see the, yeah. I can see the Pats taking advantage of that whole And, and, and Deshaun Watson's been a bit down the last two weeks. I know those numbers yeah. look good, but that was a Hopkins show there and some defensive mm-hmm. failings by Colts. So yep. exactly. Yeah. That was just a wide open. Malik Hooker just took the wrong, yeah. the wrong route. So, um, that's not going to happen for New England. Like their safeties don't read the wrong route. Um, if they read the wrong route, they're in a ditch somewhere. Oh, this is the best secondary. <laughs> we were talking about San Francisco's D line. There has, I don't think I've ever seen a secondary like this. Yeah. Look at that, the defensive player of the year there oh, yeah, as well. Gilmore. You know, it's, so, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, right, to say nothing in the McCautry. So yeah, yeah exactly. phenomenal. Al Hightower who goes back in there all the oh, time. Oh, he's so. killing it. Uh, Monday Night mm. Football, Minnesota at Seattle. Seattle minus three. Total is 48 and a half. 
Look, Seattle plays great when the pressure's on. Since 2012, they're 21, 7 and 2 against the spread in prime time and 22, 15 and 2 against the spread against playoff teams. Um, this is a great test for, uh, Kirk Cousins, who's been much maligned for his inability to beat quality opponents and, you know, being bad in prime time. He's actually 2 and 0 in prime time games this week, uh, this year. One of those was Washington. So maybe 1 and 0. Um, but yeah, he's 7 and 13 in prime time overall. Um, look, I have this Seattle minus three and a half, so the line looks absolutely spot on. It's a pure watch and enjoy game for me. Um, no play whatsoever at all on this. It's a big game though for like power rankings reasons and and the power shift in the mm. in the NFC. These two teams who are you know are likely wild card at at worst at this point, but uh, divisions on the line firmly for both teams here. So, um, really, I think second best match of the week. But yeah, nothing for me. Yeah, I agree. Second second best match of the week. It's a it's a really cool matchup actually. For Monday Night Football, the, horrible jersey two, matchup though. <laughs> the, these two teams are, are really closely situated in in DVOA offense and defense. Um, they're actually number seven and number eight in overall efficiency on DVOA as well. So this, this should be a really a really interesting game. Minnesota are a really strange beast in that they're nearly un, unstoppable at home, but they can be really ordinary on the road. Um, and, and we know both teams can put up points. Seattle can certainly score. At will, sometimes, I think James mentioned last week that Seattle can score at will. Um, and, and the Vikings probably have an edge on, on defense, but away from home, I'm just not, I'm not sold on, on their ability to be, uh, consistent and, and, you know, kind of their, their consistent strengths away from home. So I'm taking Seattle with the points, uh, to close out the week. I love everything about this Seattle team. Could be the best in the NFC. They've answered pretty much every challenge put against them, except the Baltimore one. However, my big fear here continues to be the offensive line. Got sacked six times against Philly last week, played a massive role in committing 12 penalties for the match against Philly as well. And I think the Vikings are the exact kind of team who can go there and exploit that. They've got 31 sacks on the season, and they least tackles missed in the competition. So they're in that kind of Patriots discipline uh, category as well for defense. They're a locked-in team, rolling at the right time of the year. They've also got the significant rest advantage in this game too, coming off the bye, where Seattle's coming all the way from the East Coast for a really rainy, exhausting match against Philly. I rarely go against Seattle, but I am here, so Vikings plus three, mm-hmm. and maybe even a money line play as well. So, interesting, it, it, yeah. and a, that that won't curtail Seattle's division prospects over. By the way, because they still have that win against San Francisco, but this could be a spot. Okay. All right. Uh, that wraps up uh, week 13, Thanksgiving week in the NFL. Um, let's talk lock of the week. Just the one lock of the week this week. Um, we're going back to, to one a week, although we, we, we may have a week where we have two or three. But uh, this week, um, across the board, um, both uh, Nick and James have Dallas minus six and a half as a play. Um, I, have the, I have a pretty strong lean that it's, it's close to a play, so that's as close to a lock as we're going to get. Uh, so the Dallas Cowboys, Thanksgiving Day play, minus 6.5 against the Buffalo Bills is the lock of the week. Let's talk best bets and long shots. Uh, Nick, start us off. What's your best bets and long shots for week 13? Uh, yeah, best bets, Dallas minus 6.5. Uh, Rams, Cards over 47.5. And Jets minus 3.5, my three best. And long shot, as I mentioned before, Derrick Henry, 100-plus rushing yards at $2.10. Okay. Uh, James, what do you got for us? Uh, mostly futures or are you going back to the uh, weekly well? 
I go weekly at oh, the moment. Yeah. Wow, I'm loving it. Dallas, Dallas six and a half. Uh, Pats to cover as well at three or to three and a half, whatever that is. And Vikings three would be great if we can get three and a half there as well. And a long shot depends what you think a long shot is. Three fifty Browns playoffs, and also just throw in there as well. There's still a dollar seventy hanging out there for Dallas to win the NFC East, which I think is really good value to be honest. So, okay. Uh, my best bet this week is Arizona plus three. I said it reeked like a trap game, but I'm just going to take it. Kyler Murray and the Cards, just just too too confident in them and, and the way that the arrow is trending firmly up in their direction. Carolina minus nine and a half to cover that strong line there um, at home against Washington. Um, I've got a little uh, asterisk here on my last one. New England is at the flat three. If it gets there, that'll be the lock. If it doesn't get there, mm. over 48 and a half, Tampa Bay. Jacksonville. Um, I'll tweet that out uh, Sunday night on whether uh, what will be the official play uh, for the pod, just because of the way the line movement goes. Uh, my long shot: DJ Shark, hundred plus rushing yards. Uh, rushing yards. That would be insane. Um, <laughs> DJ Shark, hundred plus receiving yards at three dollars. Um, I don't know if you can get this anywhere in in Australian shores, but Josh Allen, fifty plus rushing yards around that two dollars fifty mark or two dollars forty mark um, could be a go there as well. I think he's going to pop and run a lot but I think DJ Shark um the 100 plus will be is 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 the uh long shot this week. Uh all right uh, Nick we'll let's uh, quickly talk the stats inside a model uh Daryl who knows who Daryl is he's an international man of mystery at this point. He's a busy uh, he's a busy busy man. Yeah so uh how did the the model went 2 and 1 last week um on the show and and the uh, Tampa Bay money line as well but how did the model do overall in terms of results? Yeah, three and one on NFL lines last week, two and one on the green plays, um, zero and two on totals, which was interesting. It's, it's historically been very strong on totals. So yep. a bit of a, a bit of an aberration for the model on NFL totals. Um, eight and six on college lines, two and zip on the green and 11, eight college football totals. So pretty decent week. Okay. Pretty decent week. And what does the uh, model like, uh, in Thanksgiving week here in the NFL? Yeah, there's a fair bit up on site at the moment. So check it out, statsinsider.com.au. Big week. Slash NFL. It is a big week. Yeah. Um, but kind of the, the three best bets, uh, the model likes Detroit at the line, plus four and a half, uh, which is 12% green play, uh, likes Cleveland minus one. That's a 9% green play and Tampa Bay head to head. Uh, this is an interesting one because it's, it's actually saying that according to, to our NFL simulations, that Tampa Bay are fifty eight percent are a fifty eight percent chance to to win the game compared to the bookies implied probability of fifty one percent. So that's a seven percent difference mm-hmm. in a, an orange play on site. The long shot this week. There's a couple of really similar plays. Um, Detroit head to head. The model saying it's uh, that the Lions have a forty one percent probability to, to win this match compared to the bookies thirty three percent. And Atlanta head to head thirty six percent chance compared to the bookies. Uh, which are implying a 28% win probability. So there's a couple of, a couple of decent long shots there. Yeah, I like those money line plays, especially Tampa mm. Bay. I think that's pretty, that's pretty good money line play there. Um, and Detroit, who knows what David Blau is? Like, it's a complete mystery. Like, would it really shock you if, if Detroit win at home against Mitch Trubisky? No. Well, I mean, like, not how many all. times, how many times have we said yeah. this season that this is the NFL? Anything yeah, exactly. can happen. Exactly. I'd rather, um, I'd rather go down swinging with Detroit money line than taking the Bears minus four and a half at this point. Yeah, um, absolutely. So. Um, I like the models thinking there, and Tampa Bay seems to be a team that likes every week at this point. The last three weeks, it's just in on Tampa Bay. It just likes riding the Winston coaster, really, at this point. <laughs> well, it did. It did like Tampa Bay last season with Fitzmagic yeah, too. It did. So. Yeah, proven success there. Going back to the uh, 
going back to the success well, it's a good strategy. <laughs> Stick with what works. Um, all right, boys. Uh, that's week 13 in the uh, National Football League and the punt return. Great, great show today. Um, please, guys, check us out on Twitter and iTunes reviews. Keep them coming. Um, you can do it on the Wooten Y iTunes feed or Stats Insider on your uh, podcast provider. Or if you if you don't use iTunes or whatever, just just tweet us or send us an email even. Um, or just go to statsinsider.com.au. Um, any feedback's welcomed. Um, we really appreciate that and, and make and, the and show better. And share it. I mean, we, we've had some great uh, feedback from from listeners who have gotten in touch with us via email that yep. love the show and, and use it kind of religiously yep. every week to make the plays. Share it around with your friends and, and let us know. Like, yep. like, I mean, like just said, our, leave some feedback. It's tiny, and, tiny sample size, but our best bets every week have been going really well. Same with the locks. Yeah. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Hit retweet, share it around, please. Um, boost the show because uh, I really like what we're doing here. Um, please check out statsinsider.com.au and check us out on Twitter at statsinsider and at Wooten Y. Till next week, peace. Mm-hmm.